All right. So for all my listeners out there, if you are indeed listening, um, I should be starting my 10 plus part apology for not getting these episodes out as quick as I planned. But unfortunately, I don't have the time to do that tonight. So I'm going to just say that I started doing this podcast with the intention of maybe dishing out like multiple episodes a week, but uh, schedules a little different things, uh, you know, curveballs come left and right, especially anybody out there that's a parent, especially can sympathize and understand what I'm talking about when kids are involved and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll work out the apology next time. And that's for the people that actually are tuning in and listening to these episodes. I appreciate all y'all appreciate the love and support, but of course it's uh Romero Tudor. Who else would it be? And it's another episode of Tudor Reviews. Now, I am going to keep this horror based because I need to pump out more episodes that are horror based for the month. And, um, of course, for the season with Halloween coming up. And it's a disclaimer here, man, because it, the, the movies I'm going to discuss tonight, they, they do have a fan base. Why? I mean, some I can understand, but some I, I just I don't understand why. But tonight's episode is basically going to be. The worst horror sequels from the big guys. Now, I say that to say this. <clears throat> the big guys, I look at it like Freddie J. Actually, I'm sorry. Michael Myers, because he came out in 78. Jason Voorhees, whose character, even though he wasn't the killer in the beginning, that movie came out in 1980. Um, and you know what? I'm tripping because actually Leatherface was first and he is a big guy. He came out in 74 my mistake but jason uh debuted at the end of the first movie in 1980 and freddy the first freddy movie came out in 84 those are the big guys for me nothing against uh candy man and pinhead and uh you know chucky or anything like that but i i'm just focusing on the four big dogs right now you know this is the big dog yard we stepping into but unfortunately this is that dark place that uh that was not meant for man to go but, you know, I like to take risks and talk about oh, man, bad things like this. Now, let me say, first of all, there, there's no slasher franchise that is perfect. There's no slasher franchise that is damn near perfect, because with, even with the best franchises, you got this little thing called continuity. And sometimes in the best set slasher franchises, it doesn't seem to exist. Even in Halloween, which is my favorite slasher franchise ever continuity is all over the place timelines are all over the place you know it's always different directors different writers and people want to try different things without keeping the same storyline intact which is really weird for me and i can even deal with that however when when they when they put money into these entries these sequels that turn out the way they did in the case of the ones that i'm going to be talking about tonight I it makes me wonder what went wrong. And I, I like for the life of me, these four I picked in particular, one gets a pass because it's a really enjoyable, bad entry, but it's still a bad entry nonetheless. But it does. One of these does get a pass. And I will let y'all know which one gets a pass as I get to it. It's actually second on my list. Excuse me. But I'm going to go ahead and kick this thing in the gear with the first. Of course, Halloween is my favorite slasher franchise. Worst sequel in the Halloween franchise. Now, a lot of people might disagree with me on this. And I know I took a lot of people by storm when I had actually did my ranking. But worst sequel in the Halloween franchise I'm going to talk about tonight. That honor goes to none other than Halloween Resurrection. Came out and I think it actually was finished. It was supposed to get released in 2001, but it got released in 2002. Now, let me just say this. This movie was in production before it even went into production. This was back during the AOL dial-up days. And I'm showing my age. I'm old as shit, but I'm showing my age with the AOL dial-up days. So when I had access to UpcomingMovies.com and HalloweenMovies.com in the early days, you know, I wanted to know how they were going to follow up with uh, Halloween H2O. Now, H2O ended on a good note. It was kind of sad because, you know, Michael Myers is like a people root for him to kill people, but he's also a scary character. 
Now, with the end of H2O, they had one main option that I saw. And I saw, even back then, the only option I saw was for them to finally establish Michael Myers as supernatural. I thought they were going to, like, sew his head back on and, you know, uh, supernatural elements were going to take place. But no, 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 no. They had they had something else for us. Now, I remember when it when it rolled into production, they said Jamie Lee Curtis was coming back. I didn't I was the the cast was crazy because I'm like, you got Busta Rhymes, Tyra Banks. And back then on paper and online, this sounded pretty cool. You had Busta Rhymes, Tyra Banks, uh, Sean Patrick Thomas. I didn't know who Bianca Kylick, Katie Sackhoff, and Luke Kirby were. Um, Thomas Ian Nicholas was from American Pie, so I, I, I was cool with him being in it. The cast sounded, the people involved sounded cool on paper and online, like I said. And this was back when, if anybody doesn't know this, this movie was originally called Hall Halloween 8. And, you know, the 8 was in the middle with the pumpkin where the O was supposed to be at. But then it was called Halloween Homecoming, and I'm like, oh, that's cool because it's going to take place in the Myers house. Now, when the when the pictures leaked online during production, when they didn't leak online, they openly put them out there. I'm like, the Myers house is spot on. Now, the Myers house from the first two movies, that is the Myers house. But then it came back in part five. It was like a people call it the Gothic mansion, and that's exactly what it is. Then they brought it back, kind of tried to bring it back home in part six. But even that wasn't spot on from the original house but this model that they made was damn near an exact replica of the original myers house that got me pumped up already then there was a shot that they released of michael myers outside the myers house with a knife in his hand the mask looked cool it was the first picture i saw of michael myers i was hyped for this movie so uh the movie wrapped and i remember in 2001 a bootleg had leaked it was the work print version and it was halloween homecoming and i bought it on vhs and even back then, I was I was disappointed with what they had done and coming off the hills of something like H2O, which I was like I was in love with back then before I saw how flawed it was. And for some strange reason, the work print almost kind of got a pass, but it didn't because it's still a shitty movie. But the finished product that they did for the theatrical release. People, let me tell y'all something. For anybody that doesn't know, this movie, Halloween Resurrection, was directed by Rick Rosenthal. Now, Rick Rosenthal was, of course, the director of Halloween 2. The original Halloween 2. Classic sequel. One of the top five horror sequels, slasher sequels of all time. And for him to be an OG veteran in this series and to get invited back to bless the series with something that was fresh off the hills of the success of H2O for him to deliver. Now I blame the writers too. Uh, Larry Brand and Sean Hood. One of them passed away. Rest in peace. I can't remember which writer it was, but I listen, man, I, I got to call a spade a spade. I don't know what type of drugs were on set. They must've had a good batch of drugs, good batch of liquor. Even Jamie Lee Curtis publicly states that the movie was a joke for her and she basically was like you know if i come back you got to kill me off in the beginning of the movie which they did that's one thing about this movie they opened this movie up i mean there there is good and bad don't get me wrong people i will i will get to the good and i will get to the bad you know what fuck it let me let, let me actually let me go left field here let me start with the good the movie opens up with probably one of the best uh Halloween themes in the series is, is by this guy named Danny Lux, this composer, and it's dark, it's eerie, it's really dark is the only word I can think. There are all types of sound effects and creakings and uh, like wailing that goes along with the mel like it, the wailing makes a new melody within the original uh, theme. And it's a great theme song. Like it's actually scary. And then you have this opening uh, monologue where Jamie Lee Curtis is doing a voiceover and she's talking about the tunnel and on the other side of the door at the end of the tunnel is either heaven or hell. And then you see Jamie, um, Jamie Lee Curtis is actually in a mental hospital because she killed the wrong person. Now, I can't see this is why I can't just talk about the good without because it's like every time i'm going to say something good people i feel like i'm going to say something bad and I, I think i can go that route without going off the deep end because i got three other movies to get to but 
that starts off good and then there's bad because there's the explanation of how Michael Myers survived. She cut off the head of Michael Myers and turns out it was a paramedic. Now these writers, I can't even say what I want to say because one of them passed away, but I, as a writer, I like, I don't like when people insult my intelligence in movies. Now I know people, somebody out there might be like, oh, well, it's a movie about a supernatural serial killer, man. You, you know, like, but don't give me a movie and try to make it seem like I'm stupid. Like I'm a fan, but I'm not a fan boy of the series of the character. You can't just throw me shit, uh, with sugar on it and tell me it's like a donut or something like that. Like you can't do that. Now for them to tell me that this paramedic now, okay. When Michael Myers went over the balcony, um, paramedic showed up on the scene. He woke up, choked the paramedic out, crushed his larynx. So he couldn't talk. Switch this. Switch the outfits. Boom! Paramedic goes into the 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 corner van. Now this paramedic wakes up. Okay, you don't know where you're at, so you lunge towards Lori. You can't talk. I get it, but you fly through a windshield head first. Boom! You get right back up and sit up. You do the classic sit up at that. Nah, nah, man. That's strike one. The van plows right into you, and you're just on the on the hood, just staring into her eyes. That's strike two. You the van flips over, you fall off down the hill and you turn around and try to get away. And the van smashes into, quote unquote, Michael Myers back. If that was Michael Myers, yeah, he's still alive. That's a paramedic. That's that is a human being. And that human being is pinned between that van and that tree. And you're still alive. Nope. I'm not buying it. Not for a fucking second. That is a slap in the face to any Halloween fan. And I really don't understand anybody out there that buys that bullshit. And this is like fucking five, ten minutes into the movie, people. If you can believe that. Anybody out there, if you haven't seen it, it's a wild ride. It's an experience. I will tell you that. So, all right. I'm going to try to wrap this up. Like, this one as much as I can. Uh, Laurie Strode, the beloved character we've come to know and love for a couple movies. She gets killed off in, like... The most overly dramatic, shitty way possible. And you could tell Jamie Lee Curtis just wanted to check and she wanted to leave. Then we get introduced to the probably the worst characters in the series. I didn't really give a shit about any of them. I mean, I have read the script online. Um, one one version of the script online. And I, the characters are kind of cool on paper. But seeing them executed on screen, it wasn't anything good. Um, I kind of rooted for Sean Patrick Thomas as Rudy token black guy because he went knife to knife with Michael Myers well not not necessarily knife to knife but he swung the he swung two butcher knives at him that was cool to watch but you know he went out like it wasn't nothing these characters are just they they all have quips they all have their little quips their little characteristics oh this is the chef oh this is the uh the music major oh this is the virgin on final girl it's just like we've come you're eight movies in and these characters have and this is halloween is actually a series where i love the characters i actually care about them like when something happens to them i kind of feel something like you know when they when they get killed but i didn't give a shit about any of these characters uh you know one of the biggest mistakes that this movie made was just making a mockery of, of the property bars. But, um, you know, you got Michael Myers completely folding, getting that ass whooped on by Busta Rhymes while he's doing, you know, karate sounds. And this is the thing. One thing about me, people, I'm a real big geek. So when I had the work print version, I got so familiar with it that. I almost knew the movie by heart. So when they released the theatrical version, they did a lot of lines over in ADR. Anybody that doesn't know what ADR is, it's like, you know, you go in this room or the studio and you do the lines over. Like, it's like they're dubbed over. So the majority of the dialogue in the movie is dubbed over. It sounds cheap. Um, some of the words don't even sync up if you look close enough at the character's lips. So I don't know why they added these, um, these karate sounds with Busta Rhymes. Like, I don't know if they thought it would be edgy and, and all this other shit for the, for the, the audience, but it just doesn't work for me. This is by far the worst Halloween movie that has ever 
curse the series. People can talk about Halloween 6 and Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 all they want. Those movies had something. Those movies made me feel something. Now, Resurrection doesn't do anything but give me migraines to, that I never thought I could experience in my life. And I just, I don't know why... I think Mustafa Akkad was still alive around this time. I think by the time he passed away, that was around when Rob Zombie came out with it, if I'm not mistaken. But I don't know why this would even fly. And I know Donald Pleasance turned over in his grave uh, looking down at the production and opening night of Halloween Resurrection. <coughs> Excuse me. But. I, I man, I I gotta say, man, this is like there aren't many movies like Halloween Resurrection out here, and I don't I don't say that lightly. Like I'm not saying that as a compliment. I'm saying that as in that's one of the worst movies I've ever seen put together in my life on screen. Uh, there's the the music sucks. Um, I the music's worse than the music in um H2O for me, and they even stole music. They stole music from Scream. They did this fake orchestrated uh. Uh, score no disrespect to John Ottman actually shout out because he's a great composer but it was not fit for a Halloween movie but this this score was just so and their camera angles where it slowed down and while it slowed down it's kind of grainy now I will say this this movie was way ahead of its time with this whole lipstick camera thing that they, like when they had the lipstick cameras in their in their heads and they were doing a, a reality TV show aspect. This was before reality TV show really jumped off. Now, I remember um, back on the work print, I think Rudy says we're going to be he either says we're going to be bigger. No, he says we're going to be bigger than the real world. We're going to be large. Now, the real world reality TV has been on for a while. And I think that's how you know that the movie came out like a year prior to when they actually released it. Because they dubbed his line over. And he says, in the theatrical version, he says, we're going to be bigger than the Osbournes. Which came out after the real world, of course. So, this movie was ahead of its time concept-wise. And crazy thing is, it maybe could have worked. But then you had the people out there that, you know, it was so bad that, you know, it got his cards pulled and people were like, well, see, if Michael Myers isn't hunting down his family members, it won't work because he's hunting down these random kids and the movie sucks. And the sad thing is the movie could have worked perfectly well, but it didn't because of execution. It's bad writing. It's bad uh, directing. There's bad acting. It's just bad overall execution. And it's, you know... This is another thing I go out on a limb and say now while Halloween Resurrection does have his fan base, <laughs> I don't know why, but after that, I'm almost certain that after the backlash and the, I don't know if, how much money it made, but I'm almost certain that Michael Myers in the Halloween series was ready to join it because it was around. It was still with Dimension Films at this time. This was their third release movie since Halloween six picked it up or since dimension picked up halloween six but um i'm pretty sure michael myers and the halloween series were about to join pinhead on the dvd shelf straight to dvd because that's what this movie felt like it felt like a cheesy cheap straight to dvd gimmick of a movie like a, just a mockery of the character of the series of the integrity that this series has held you know even with hated movies like halloween six it still had the integrity of the original movie but I'm pretty sure this move, this movie, this series was going to be in some serious trouble. And I thank Rob Zombie for coming in and putting some some gritty, intimidating life, putting some balls back onto this character and onto this series. I always say he saved it. And I will always respect that man for making his two visions with Halloween one and Halloween two, the remakes he did, because Resurrection was just it's, it's just it's an abortion of the series. It's the one that never should have been made. And <clears throat> Rick Rosenthal, I, I don't know what you were thinking, man. Like, and I, I, like I said, I'm a geek. I listen to commentary. I don't just do it. I just, I listen to commentary too. When I get DVDs, I want to get my money's worth. I watch all special features. I listen to all commentaries. And Rick Rosenthal seems very proud of the movie. So proud. And he's just like, yeah, man, this got a big chuckle from the audience. And the audience loved this. And I'm just like... I don't know what the age bracket was of the of people in that theater that he was in, but 
this ain't for us, man. And when I say us, I speak for the true Halloween fans out there that share my pain for Halloween resurrection. I will never forgive. Well, fuck Harvey Weinstein because he's a creep. I was about to say I would never forgive Dimension Films for it, but whatever. I'll never forgive Rick Rosenthal for that movie. I never will. It is, it's one of the worst slasher movies I've ever seen in my life. And I watch a lot of bad shit. I catch a lot of bad movies. And speaking of more bad movies, I'm going to move on to one that gets, like I said, the second one gets a pass because it's fun. It's actually a, a bad movie that I wasn't bored with. I wasn't upset when it was all said and done. <clears throat> but still, if I had to pick one, it is the weakest of the franchise. And clearly, again, you can tell this gets a pass because I said if I had to pick one. Halloween Resurrection is just bar none the worst in the series. But this here, um, the one that's kind of bittersweet to put on this list is A Nightmare on Elm Street 5, Dream Child. Now, before anybody disagrees with me in your head or whatever or curses me out, let me, let, let, let me, let me break it down so it can forever be broke. It was between this and Freddy's Dead. And honestly, I like Freddy's Dead better because it was what it was. It was what it already had become. Freddy had become a joke. The kills were the highlight. It wasn't even about the story. And they, they had the audacity to put a twist on it that I actually wasn't mad, out, mad about. But um, I had to pick uh, Dream Child because they went from... Um, the dream master which was already silly in itself it was kind of serious off the hills of uh dream warriors but dream child kind of they they had this whole pregnancy aspect to it to make to punch up the seriousness there was a child involved um pregnant woman involved uh, there was a dark backstory you got a lot more of amanda kruger in this and freddie's backstory um, him being the son of a hundred maniacs, you actually got to see that scene, which was cool. But, you know, you tried to make it serious. And the, the guy that directed this was Stephen Hopkins. And I think he did Predator 2. He's a uh, he's pretty seasoned. He's got his fair share of movies. I can't think of what he did off the back. If I'm not mistaken, he did Predator 2. Somebody can correct me on that, too, if I'm wrong. But Stephen Hopkins did it. And while he's a real creative, inventive director, he had a vision. His vision just wasn't right for the series at the time because Freddy was already a big joke. So for you to come in and, all right, man, we're going to make this serious again. It's like, I I think that kind of threw a curveball that, you know, it just, it, it took me by surprise. And I didn't really buy it as much as I would have bought um, something like Freddy's Dead, where it's like, okay, he's still a comedian. Cool. Y'all didn't, y'all didn't switch it up. That's fine. But uh, another thing that was was weak about Nightmare Five was there's only there's only three death scenes in this movie, and to go from like I'm spoiled when I watch slasher movies, of course I want to see people get slashed, especially when you're dealing with a character that has a uh, you know razors on his fingers for God's sakes, and even though that's not how he's going to kill everybody, I still want to see. You know, I want to see death scenes. I want to see the nightmare sequences. Now, Freddy racked up in um uh the 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 Dream Master. He kills you know three people in the beginning of the movie, and then he works on to the new kids that uh that live on Elm Street, and that was cool. So to just dial it down to three three nightmare sequences, and they're not bad. One of them is pretty fucking gross with the death scene with Greta getting uh, force fed to death in the dream and Dan turning into I don't know what the hell he turned into uh I'm not even gonna try to explain it but he turned into this thing on a motorcycle he he uh he transforms into this he almost looks like a creature like I said I'm not I'm not gonna I'll be all night trying to explain what the hell they turned him into and Mark has probably the best death scene in the movie because it's like he he goes into his comic book world he becomes the phantom prowler the character that he draws and Freddy becomes Super Freddy, slices him, and it's just a real creative, uh, 
there's a creative death scene, but there's only three of them. After that, you get nothing else. You know, you get the Amanda Kruger angle. You get the um, Jacob, which is Alice's unborn son who she's dreaming about. You get Alice trying to, you know, Dan dies and his parents are trying to get custody of the unborn. It's like a whole bunch of shit that just, it just, I just, I mean, I sympathize with it more now because I am a parent and it is scary for children to be in jeopardy but I guess back then like I just didn't give a shit about all these all the dramatics that they had going on in a Nightmare on Elm Street movie I know they want you to care about the characters and I and I do every that's one thing about the Nightmare on Elm Street series they have the the most Motley Crue unique cool bunch of kids in all the slasher movies and I love the Halloween movies but those are more like grounded you know, uh, suburban type of characters. The Nightmare on Elm Street characters are always cool as shit. They're always outcasts. The, they make the nerds cool. That's that's one of the things that I liked about the movies. But while the characters are cool, uh, there's not enough of them. There's not enough of them in Dream Child. And it's just too... It's a whole different tone that... I, I feel like it was a fumble after something like Part 4. And... I say that because part four, while it it wasn't as good as part three, it still stood on its own too. It stood pretty strong. It did pretty well at the box office. It was pretty well executed. Even though it was, it was it was getting wild. It was going off the rails. They were trying to get as creative as they could. They turned the girl, the girl Debbie, into a, a roach, for God's sakes. And that's probably one of Yeah, I don't like bugs, so I'm not gonna really get into it. But uh, Nightmare 5, that's going to be probably the shortest uh, discussion I have on here because it it is not like it's not a movie I hate. It's just it's the lesser of two evils. Basically, if I can put it simply, it's the lesser of two evils. That's the best way I can put it. So, um, you know, I got love for Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child, but it is the weakest. It's the worst of the series for me because I would have rather seen seen them punch up on Freddy's jokes and his 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 one-liners and his appearances rather than get this um you know this serious dark gothic type of type of angle it just didn't it just didn't fit well while i do like the uh i will say this before i close out nightmare five i did like the scenes in um i want to say it was it weston hills somebody can Correct me on that also. I'm going to make a lot of mistakes through here, too. I'm not sure if it was old school Western Hills, but that asylum that... uh Oh, no, it wasn't Western Hills, I don't think. But the asylum scenes, the asylum looked cool. It looked really cool. As much as I said I didn't like the dark um gothic aspect to it, the asylum, I dig the structure aspect of it. Now, speaking of structure, um, I didn't know... The Voorhees family was living so large out in the middle of nowhere, out in the middle of Camp Crystal Lake, New Jersey. And, you know, they got things lying around in their house that we didn't know about that just popped up like the Necronomicon um, from Evil Dead. So apparently Jason, um, Pamela and Elias Voorhees were were big readers back then. And if anybody doesn't know what I'm talking about, my next movie Three's a charm, right? We're getting to Jason Goes to Hell, The Final Friday. Now, I feel like a dark cloud just set over me when I said that title. Now, I remember one thing about this movie before we actually rented it. My mom, when we were kids, she used to, you know, we were horror buffs. I was the biggest horror buff of all three of us. So she would rent movies from West Coast Video. I'm showing my age again. And... I was always curious about that cover. I didn't know what the hell that thing was that was on Jason's mask. And it took me a while. That thing was so prominent that I didn't even know that that was Jason's mask all chromed out. And it was fire in the background. I'm just like, yo, what's going on? And I would look at the back and you would just see random pictures. And I didn't know what was going on in this movie. And I was curious. So I think the first time we rented it, it was the unrated version. Now, this movie had me fooled as a kid. It had me confused, but it had me fooled. And the only reason it still has people fooled to this day is the same reason I was fooled as a kid while I was duped. This movie, this is the big, good part of this movie. This movie, and shout out to K&B, man. 
KMB Effects Group. This movie, Jason Goes to Hell, has the best kills in the entire series. Bar none. KNB, I don't know what their check was looking like, but they said, okay, we're going to pull out all the stops. No disrespect to Tom Savini and Martin Becker and all the, and uh, John Carl Beekler and stuff like that. But KNB did the damn thing on 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 these kills in this movie man i I, i've not i have not seen kills to date like i've seen in jason goes to hell there is gore galore cherry pie all over the place when you get it i love it there's even a guy that melts why he melts gets into the fact of why this is the worst entry in the series but there is a melting man nonetheless and that is a his jaw He's trying to pick himself off the floor while he's melting and his jaw is stuck to the floor. It's a badass gore effect, man. I'm telling you, anybody that is the anybody out there listening, that is the one highlight of this movie I can praise is the gore. It is off the fucking chain. Now, let's praise the curses of this movie. This movie was written and directed. If I'm not mistaken, it was written by this magical soul and he damn sure applied a lot of magic to this fucking movie this man named adam marcus now he is going to coincide with my fourth and last movie of the worst horror sequels from the big guys but let's talk about what he did here let's talk about what he did here adam marcus you must have had a you had a I don't know what they put in your batch on set. Now, this guy was a, he was like 20 something years old. He's in his early 20s, fresh out of film school. They got a rookie director. Say, yeah, man, go ahead and make this Jason movie. But apparently what he said they told him was, you know, we've had Jason running around in the woods. The last movie we had him running around in New York for the last portion of the movie. And he was on a boat prior to that. We want to do something different. We don't want a guy in a mask running around in the woods. Same old shit. So this fucking guy takes it upon himself to, uh, you know what, before my brain explodes talking about this movie, let's talk about the opening. Now there's a woman who's just, she just randomly drives out to Crystal Lake and we don't know what's going on because when we last left Jason, he, he turned into a boy from toxic waste in a sewer in Manhattan. Nobody knows what happened. So this woman just goes out, gets naked at uh, Crystal Lake, about to take a shower. Her lights go out, so she wraps herself in a towel. So we get Jason, and Jason looks badass in this movie. That's another plus. We get Kane Hodder back. He had just played Jason in part seven and part eight. We get him back. Jason's badass. His mask has been on his face so long. His face is growing around the mask. It's stuck to his face. He's got little, um, he's got little small uh, tufts of hair, like yellow-looking hair growing out of himself. He's he's got this big-ass machete. He looks badass, legit. So what they do in the opening act of the movie, he chases the girl into the woods and apparently she sprung a trap for him because Jason walks right into the middle of this uh, into the woods. And it's like a it's like an opening or something. And there's a SWAT team waiting for him. They blast his ass up, pistols, uh, assault rifles, all types of shit. So they drop a bomb on Jason. They blow him up. And this is the first couple minutes of the movie. They blow him up and then you see Stephen Williams. I think that's the guy's name who plays Creighton Duke. He goes, I don't think so. And you're like, wait, what? This is you see Jason's head flying in the air, but you see his heart beating, and his heart stops beating. So then you get the opening credits, and you I just was confused. I didn't know what to expect. And um you get Jason gets sent to the morgue. And there's a guy, I can't remember the actor's name, is a black guy. He's funny as hell. He's He's got the tape recorder. He's doing his, uh, you know, talking his talk about the cause of death and the number of bullets in him. The stuff that coroners do. And so Jason's heart starts beating and the guy starts sweating and he looks really like aroused by it. And he eats Jason's heart. He eats Jason's heart. And then out of Jason's uh, body parts that blew up, uh, magical sparks fly out of him and fly into his chest and he gets possessed by the essence of jason now anybody who hasn't seen this movie i am not fucking around when i'm when i'm giving out this info this is what happens and you know what friday the 13th the tv show was to blame for this 
because that came out around the time when uh, Jason Takes Manhattan came out, which was 89, I think. Now, Friday 13th TV show had nothing to do with Jason. It was a lot of supernatural elements. It was like a, it, it was like all, not an anthology series because it had two ongoing characters, but there was supernatural elements scattered all throughout the series. They applied a lot of that to Jason Takes Manhattan, which is why that movie suffered and they didn't know what the fuck they were doing a lot of times. This, they took that and they, and they ran with it because Jason possessing a body. And then when you, you have the, the first kill in the movie. And when the coroner is possessed by Jason, he walks out and you can see in the reflection, his reflection is Jason. So it's like, I who... I want to know who supplied the weed. I don't even think it was weed. If it was, I would be curious about it. But I'm pretty sure it wasn't, so I don't want no parts in whatever they gave that motherfucker to write and direct this shit. Now, they're just, they just add stuff on just because. They got Creighton Duke, who's, who is the Dr. Loomis of the Friday the 13th uh, franchise. Apparently, he knows... Uh, how to kill Jason. He knows that Jason keeps jumping into body after body after body when apparently Jason has just been rotting for the last eight movies or regenerating in some ways. But apparently Jason uh, gets a new body like, you know, like he goes to um, he goes to like Burlington Coat Factory and just puts a new body on like he puts on clothes and shit. So I mean, there. And my thing is this: you add this character of Creighton Duke, who is indeed a badass character. He's, you know, he's he's probably one of the best characters in the movie, or he is probably the best character in the movie. He just doesn't get to put in enough work like the character, uh, um, Stephen does, who is the final guy, if you will. But my thing is this: you write this badass character like Creighton Duke. Where the fuck has this dude been for the last eight movies? Just letting people get slaughtered and then you pop up on um, American Case File. It's like their version of like Dateline or whatever. You pop up on American Case File like, yeah, I need two million dollars to let people know the secret to kill Jason Voorhees. It's like this is this movie is bull shit, people. And I am not playing. This movie had me fooled for years years because it was cool and oh i never knew jason can do that and then the older i get the more i realize how dumb i was just for being a fanboy i'm a fan it's like i said about halloween resurrection i'm a fan of this series and while a lot of the jason series doesn't have the best continuity and it doesn't make sense this shit was just you're just putting shit together and i don't know you know i, I don't know how many drafts of the script they had to toss in before this was the final product but <laughs> I don't know, man. Sean S. Cunningham, you got some splaining to do. New Line, you got some splaining to do. But Jason, when he's in someone else's body, his body apparently gets weak. And before it gets weak and diseased, as Creighton Duke says, he had to he has to transfer the evil into another fresh body in order to keep going. Now, mind you, Jason's goal is to be reborn in this movie and apparently the only way he can be reborn is through the body of um another Voorhees not only Voorhees family members that are left are is Jason's sister he had a sister Pamela and Elias had a had a daughter apparently when Pamela indeed says in the first Friday the 13th movie when she's having those flashbacks, she said, my sweet, sweet Jason or whatever. She says, my only child, Jason. And she's having the flashbacks of him drowning, saying, help mommy. It's fucking bullshit, man. Jason didn't have a fucking sister. Now, I don't know how many Halloween movies they watched and was like, man, we'll just do that. We'll just do that. They won't. They won't mind. It'll, it'll, it'll fly right past their heads. And Jason's sister has... A daughter named Jessica who has a newborn baby who is the daughter of the final guy now I hope people caught that you know the way I just broke down that family tree try to keep up because God knows I was trying when I first saw this movie as a kid but um you know Jason's trying to be reborn that's his whole thing so <laughs> what he does is when he's about to transfer the evil into another uh, person who is this cop, 
uh, named, uh, I can't remember the guy's name. His name's Josh. There's a cop named Josh in the beginning of the movie. And when Jason is still the black coroner, he ties this guy up. And it's a really homoerotic scene. I don't know what they were thinking. They went straight up Nightmare on Elm Street 2 with this, uh, as far as like the homoerotic tones of it. Because the guy, Jason straps the guy down. He's, he's down with leather straps naked and he's shaving his mustache. And then he like opens his mouth and transfers the evil into the guy's mouth. Now, again, anybody that hasn't seen Jason Goes to Hell, I am not bullshitting with y'all when I am explaining this movie. This shit went off the rails as far as content goes. I'm not talking about off the rails with the kills and the sex scenes. They went off the rails content wise, like with the writing and just the overall execution. They just I think they were really going for broke uh, as far as the rest of the Jason movies were going and what they were leading up to at the end of it, the very end, which I'll get to. But, you know, he jumps into a new body. And that actually ends up being the melted ma melting man, which he uh, is one of the best gore effects in the movie. And when he does melt, he's in the Voorhees house, and then they have the Necronomicon book from Evil Dead in the Voorhees house. Like it's just like an Easter egg in there, and I'm just so confused. And years later, the director, writer Adam Marcus will go on to tell people that was a prop that was borrowed from the Evil Dead set or whoever the hell it was borrowed from. And he's trying to make a claim that, yeah, Jason was a Jason's a deadite from the Evil Dead. And that's why the Necronomicon was in the Voorhees house in the movie. <sighs> People, I man, I'm I'm trying to keep up with this myself right now. So please bear with me as I slip into my Jack Torrance madness mode talking about this movie. I'm re I really need to wrap it up. Um, so Jason transfers himself into another body and bodies hit the floor. And first of all, let me say that this is, you know, people complain so much about Friday the 13th, a new beginning. Yes, it is a sucker punch. It's like watching April Fool's Day where what you think is happening isn't. And Jason wasn't the killer in a new beginning. I get it, but it was still an entertaining movie, even though it was a big sucker punch and it was still a guy in a hockey mask killing people. I mean, if they were to do a new beginning and Roy didn't die, it really would have been a new beginning. Someone's son was killed. They went crazy and killed the people they thought were responsible and the people that were on the grounds. I get what a new beginning was going for. It just was in poor taste, I guess. But this is this. You don't get Jason. You get Kane Hodder as Jason in the beginning of the movie. In two reflections, if I'm not mistaken, and at the end, and he's at the end, and all he does is just toss uh, Steven around like a rag doll. He tosses him outside. He tosses him in like a jungle gym, a little play area out back. <sighs> and there's another thing I didn't notice until a couple months ago when I was ranting and raving about this movie. I've even actually, I was in this movie group. Uh, I was in this movie group called Killer Flicks. And it's a Facebook movie group. And uh, there were a lot of important names in that group. It was a big it was a big horror group. It's huge. And I remember going on a rant about Jason Goes to Hell. And I remember there was this guy. Uh, he's a bit of a dick eater. He shall remain nameless. But I remember he just, I guess he was, you know, kissing ass and decided to tag Adam Marcus in my post. Like I was going to change my opinion. And, you know, he's like, yeah, but... Jason Goes to Hell was directed by Adam Marcus, and when he said Adam Marcus, he ta actually tagged Adam Marcus in it and was just kissing his ass. That's what he did. He kissed the ass of celebrities, and my thing is, like, I'm I'm pretty rebellious, and I really go against the grain, so I didn't give a shit who popped up. You know, John Carpenter could have popped up, and I wouldn't have changed my opinion on a bad movie he made. So Adam Marcus came on the post and said his case, and I'm like, listen, I understand where you're coming from, but I, you know, I, I respect your opinion of your explanation, but I still feel how, how I feel about your movie, you know, point blank period. You know, this is, um, I, I actually like the movie before it. I like Jason takes Manhattan because while it's a bad movie, like nightmare five, I wasn't bored with it. I enjoy it, how bad it is, but this shit is just wild. And there's a scene in here where Jason is inside of the evil of Jason. I'm sorry, the little evil slug gremlin thing. It's inside of the body of the cop, Randy. And he speaks. He has two lines. 
So Jason can talk? Apparently when the little gremlin evil spirit Jason thing slug from Night of the Creeps is inside of certain people's bodies he can talk? Man, listen. Don't insult my intelligence. These are things that I just didn't notice or I just swept under the rug for the sake of watching a good movie. But as I get older and I break down film and I learn film more, you know, I don't just like try to critique it. I try to learn like and try to be a sponge and learn more about structure of filmmaking overall. And this is these are revelations I come to. Like I come to find out that a lot of movies aren't what I thought they were. And this is one of them. And at the end, you mean to tell me the girl, okay, he can only die by the hands of a Voorhees because he was born through a Voorhees. So Jessica, his niece, because this is apparently a remake of Halloween 4 with Michael and Jamie. So his niece runs up and stabs him with this mystical uh, dagger that Creighton Duke gave her. And when he tossed the knife in her hand, it literally transforms in her hand into the dragon dagger with the little the little dragon uh, looking demon thing at the end of it it's a badass looking knife but it's all bullshit man like am i watching fucking a friday the 13th movie or am i watching like uh you know i can't even make a comparison right now like am i watching a fucking marvel movie or dc movie or some shit i don't know i don't know what they would what, what the overall tone was for this i really don't so she stabs him with the dagger and then the lights, the flashing lights uh, from Kanye West's song, they come flying out of Jason's body and they go up into the sky and then the sky starts lighting up and then out of the dirt in the Voorhees backyard, these hands come up, these hands come up and little grimy rock looking hands of demons come out. And according to Adam Marcus uh, in recent interviews, those are the, the deadites, the ancient deadites coming to pull Jason back to hell. And it's like, okay, Jason went to hell at the end. Cool. That title, uh, you know, the, the title, that's cool. Jason actually went to hell. I, it would have helped if he was in the movie. And if it kind of happened in a way that was less stupid. But this is what happens. And Jason indeed does go to hell. And then at the end, there's a shot of Stephen, little Stephanie, and Jessica walking off into the sunset. And then there's a dog, Tango, who digs up Jason's mask out of the dirt and then just runs off with it. And then you get the mo probably one of the one of the best endings in horror history. That is a big plus of this movie that people did not see coming. They linger on Jason's mask for a little bit and it's in the dirt and Freddy's fucking hand comes up and pulls it down. I almost had a heart attack as a kid when I saw that because I didn't expect it. And then after that, that was what, 93? You think Freddy vs. Jason is coming? We didn't get it until 2003, I think. But this movie overall is a piece of shit. Overall, it had, all it has is the kills going for it. The ending, um, it's got a real intense sex scene. It's got this chick, she's, uh, she's on top of this guy. And the actor and actress were actually boyfriend and girlfriend uh, prior to the shooting, but they broke up. But I mean, I guess that's pretty comfortable for them to fuck on set. But you got them. That is one scene. I've never seen anything like that in a movie. Uh, they're fucking in a tent and Jason picks up like a tent pole or uh, it's like a, a, a sign, some type of metal thing that he impales her with while she's still riding a guy. And then he slits her up the middle and splits her in half and i'm just like i like as a kid and plus i saw the unrated version i've never seen a kill like that ever in my life it's like the kill from um part two the double impalement from part two but times 10 on steroids or something like that is a dope ass scene but overall man this movie is fucking bad adam marcus i don't know what tell me who your plug is at least for the bud and the liquor Tell me who your plug is, and I'll forgive you for at least one other thing in this movie. That'll be our deal. So, Adam Marcus, if you're out there and you hear, actually, you know what? This is leading into my final movie, people. See how it all comes full circle? I like to, you know, like I said, structure. I like to have some type of structure. Because Adam Marcus also co-wrote my number four worst slasher sequel, worst horror sequel from the big guys. Texas Chainsaw 3D. 
You know why I saved this for last, people? Because it's another fucking insult to my intelligence, just like the first was. And like I said, I want it all to come full circle. Now, Adam Marcus, it's like anything he's a part of is automatically a red flag. And I, the trailer, I was actually pretty, uh, I was intrigued at what they were going to do with this storyline. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3D is a direct follow-up to the 1974 movie. And I'm like, holy shit. Now, this was before you had the likes of stuff like Halloween 2018, where you're just wiping a slate clean. Even the worst Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies have their fan base. Um, I'm actually a, I'm more of a fan of part three than I am part two. And I'm actually a fan of the next generation. Um, more than I am of this piece of shit. Now, this is a movie that was so heartbreaking because the opening, I love the opening. It's nostalgic. They kept you, they brought you back up to speed with little flashbacks of the original movie and they added in, um, they had to add in, because Jim Seedow had passed away, and he plays uh, Drayton Sawyer. So they got Bill Mosley, which was perfect, because Bill Mosley played Chop Top in part two. So they got Bill Mosley to play Drayton Sawyer. And he, of course he looks different, but who better to get than Texas Chainsaw alumni to play Fallen Texas Chainsaw alumni? I thought it was real poetic. It was a nice touch. Plus they had Gunnar Hansen come in and play one of the family members, the Redneck family members. Um... But the film opens up directly after Sally gets away. You got police, a uh, police officer. I think his name is Thomas Barry. He plays uh, the sheriff and he goes to Leatherface's house. And they they were so adamant about being spot on they even had the black maria truck that the black guy was driving at the end of the original movie they had the truck with the blood splatter on the, on the front of it of him running nubbins over you know the, the chainsaw marks on the side of the door that leatherface left they had that truck on the side of the road the house they went and constructed the original house from scratch and it looks just like the house i love what i love the the integrity they had for the opening of this movie for the opening of this movie because here you are thinking oh my god we're it feels like we're back on that we're back at that farmhouse you know it looks just like it you got an angry mob come up now i don't know where these fucking uh i don't know where these uh these other relatives from Leatherface came and they look pretty normal they came with shotguns to you know to have drayton's back and grandpa and Leatherface. And there are people there and there's a woman there with a baby you know there are other family members that just pop up and it's like I, okay i can deal with that they came out of nowhere there's a shootout the townspeople come they're not, they're not trying to hear what the sheriff is saying and um you know they end up uh, having a shootout with the with the sawyers and they throw molotov cocktails through the house and you know the house gets burned to the ground basically but then you get a shot of that steel door that classic steel door from the original movie that's how leatherface survived so you know he's all right but there's a baby that baby that the woman has inside the sawyer house the woman's holding the baby the baby's crying and you got one of the redneck guys he he kills the woman he kicks her in the face so hard apparently she dies and he takes the baby and you know, he, he gives it to his, he, you know, walks over to his wife, like, look what I found, baby. And we're going to take this baby and raise it as our own baby, which is pretty fucking weird. And as kidnapping for one. And, you know, then they think, you know, you have the, the classic shutter sound or taking pictures of it. So then we flash forward to what's supposed to be present day. An insult to my intelligence because Alexandra Daddario, if you were a baby in uh, what was supposed to be 74, I think this is present day and you look like you're 22 years old now these this timeline's already fucked up you you know you're you're telling me that this girl is supposed to be a grown-ass woman and they even wrote her like a teenager she's tripping and falling over shit you know she's she's on a road trip with with a cup of liquor in her hand or listening to this this uh this jazzy ass not jazzy but this uh this, this techno pop music while they're on there they're dancing in the car and it's just like no nah, this is not a grown-ass woman here it's not man i'm not buying it um another mistake and i, I know it's just casting but it's you put trey songs in this movie as a token black guy ryan he gets to do nothing and he dies spoiler alert i don't care he dies and he dies in a car wreck 
that he was damn near responsible for because he crashed into a gate and the car stalled. These characters, I think I was more interested in the characters uh, in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the next generation, than I was these characters. You have uh, Tania Raymond, and all she does well in this movie is, sh- is uh, be in her bra and panties and show her ass. Then you've got this guy, you know, fuck these characters, man. I'm not going to get involved in the characters. This movie is, it's terrible. It's terrible. For a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. Now, you don't even necessarily have to kill people with chainsaws. We do get some, we get some gore here. We do. We get, we get some cherry pie here. We get a, uh, you know, we get some sledgehammer deaths. We get chainsaw death here and there. Um, but <laughs> there there are things here you know what i think i might have made a mistake and there's probably part of me going crazy people talking about these bad movies i don't know how many years later this is supposed to be but there is an iphone in one scene in this movie there is an iphone that uh one of the cop characters uh he is in the sawyer house and he's uh he's on facetime with the mayor and the sheriff and he's got his flashlight on and he's he's uh investigating the house before he shoots a character in the head which was a kind of expected uh jump scare but they tried to make it a nod to the original where the girl is inside of like a fridge or a cooler and she just pops out of it it was it was pretty predictable but she didn't expect the girl in this one to get shot in the head. I mean, it's all, it's all so fucking stupid, people. And then they make this, you know, they make Leatherface the most sympathetic character ever. You feel sorry for him. Like, it's kind of like, oh, like you have moments like that in the movie. And I don't want moments like that. And especially not with somebody like Leatherface. Now, you see Michael Myers as a kid. And it's just like, oh, well, what did that kid do to people? Jason drowned. You know what I'm saying? Like, shit like that. But you get Leatherface as a sympathetic character, and he's got, you know, uh, uh, Alexander Daddario plays his cousin, and she's got that line. First of all, let me say something. This movie was directed by John Lusenhop, who is pretty savvy to hip-hop and working with black actors and all that type shit, and it's a certain style of, of direction. I get it, but he has a line where, oh, man, Ale- Alexander Daddario throws Leatherface his chainsaw for the final kill of the movie in the movie's climactic it's really not I'm building it up like it is but it's not it's bullshit the ending's bullshit but she says she throws him the chainsaw and she says do your thing cuz and again man I I, want to say Adam Marcus being co-writer was responsible for that line man I want to put the blame on him I really do I really truly do. This is bad writing. This is bad acting. This is bad directing. This is bad execution. This is a bad movie. It's all bad. It is all bad. And as much as I want to, you know, really go off the deep end, I'm kind of hitting a mark here with this episode. And safe to say, man, anything Adam Marcus is a part of. It, it just might crash and burn. There's a good chance. It might have potential to be something different. But I'm actually glad this movie came out because I'm sure David Gordon Green and uh, Blumhouse and um, Danny McBride looked at this movie and said, OK, if we're going to do a direct sequel and wipe the slate clean, let's not let's not have an angry mob after us. I'm surprised those motherfuckers uh, people weren't protesting outside of Adam Marcus and John Lusenhop's uh, cribs. You know, they should have been outside with fucking Molotov cocktails and shotguns, you know, just for him, just for them putting this piece of shit movie together. I don't even understand. And this was a movie. I keep mentioning movies What these movies are fresh off the heels of. This was fresh off the heels of 2006's The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the beginning. Now, you had the the remake in 2003, which was is, is probably top five uh, horror remakes just might be top five horror remakes the prequel i love the prequel it's badass it's 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 gritty it's vicious it takes no prisoners the ending you don't even have the heroine get away she gets um you know she gets impaled leatherface is in the back seat and impales her takes out like two a cop and a pedestrian or something like that and leatherface walks off 
you don't get a movie like that, which people didn't really, I don't know if they received it well or not, but it is vicious, man. That movie gave me everything I wanted in a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie and more. But this movie, and then on top of it, you didn't even have crazed family members. The whole time I'm thinking, you know, the trailer was so misleading, man. I, oh, man. What a bad film. What a bad film. And I'm glad I didn't go because I wanted to see it in 3D so bad. And I had somebody at the time that wanted to take me to the movies to see it. And I'm glad they didn't. I'm mad they went, but I'm glad they didn't because they would have been pissed off because they were going to pay for my ticket and everything. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, I can wait, man. I can wait. I'll stick with the trailers for now and I'll see it when I'm comfortable to see it. And damn it, if I'm glad I did not spend money on that movie. I And you know what's crazy? I don't even know why I bought the DVD. Maybe because I'm like, you know, they call it a, a completionist, I think. Uh, I feel like I'm that. Because I, I spent money on that. And I actually saw, the first time I saw it, it was online. And I didn't really quite understand why it was the way it was. And it was so hyped up. And Toby Hooper, God rest his soul, man, was actually a producer on this film. And I don't understand why people like him... And James Cameron get behind these direct sequels like Texas Chainsaw 3D or something like Terminator Genesis and they gas it up like this is the best one since the one I did or the one I was a part of. And, you know, I'm really proud of what these guys are doing. It's like I, I don't know if, if they're getting a check to to gas these direct sequels up or what. But um, shout out to people like John Carpenter who actually stand behind direct sequels of movies they they were a part of or they were um the creators of and the movies actually turn out good because i if i was a part of the original movie and i saw this film texas chainsaw 3d i would be ashamed i really would and rest in peace to toby hooper rest in peace gunner hansen rest in peace marilyn burns and Jim Seedow and anybody else from the from the cast and crew that passed away and it uh, but it, the, the movie is it, it is a mess it's a disgrace for me even you know people probably think well how you know the whole Texas Chainsaw Massacre series is a disgrace I mean I don't think it is I think the first one is a big part in cinema uh, history I think the second one is um is a wild ride but it is beloved to horror fans out there and gore hounds because Tom Savini's behind it Dennis Hopper's in it Bill Mosley's in it, you know what I mean? Uh, Caroline Williams. It, it, you know, every movie has its audience. And I, I really, you know, while people despise part four, the next generation, uh, like, I think that's better than this. Because at least it, ga it gave me something. It's and That's not a good movie, but this is, this, is, this is a bad movie that gave me nothing. Nothing in character, nothing on paper. Nothing on screen, really. Uh, you know, the, the movie looks good, I guess. I guess. I don't know. I feel like I'm I'm getting more and more into that Jack Torrance place where I'm just making excuses for this shit. But, you know, and, and the crazy thing is so many people came back. Marilyn Burns came back to play Verna Carson, who is the, the grandmother of the main character played by Alexandra Daddario. Marilyn Burns came back. Like I said, Gunnar Hansen came back. The guy, um, what is his name? I can't remember the guy's name that played Grandpa in the first movie. He came, John Dugan, came back to play Grandpa in this movie. And it was like a reunion. It was supposed to be nostalgic, magical history. And instead, it was just a worthless steaming pile of cow dung. I think that's what, yeah, Jim Carrey said it best in Liar Liar. That's what he said. And I think he was describing the future of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre series, which was this movie. Now, let me say, anybody out there that is fans of this movie, these movies, overall, these four movies I've covered, Halloween Resurrection, A Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child, Jason Goes to Hell, The Final Friday, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3D. Any fans of the, these movies that are out there, we can we can debate. Feel free. Drop me a message. Find me on Instagram or Facebook. Romero Tudor. I have a group on Facebook called The Cinemaniacs. We talk movies, talk our bullshit 
all day, every day. Anybody, I, you know, I like a, I like a healthy debate as long as it's respectful, as long as it's healthy. But we can debate until the wee hours of the dawn about these movies. And if there's something y'all know that I don't know, please let me know. But, I, you know, I, I stick by my opinion with these movies. They're not they're not good. And while we have had bad entries in every series, I figured I covered these. I was going to do the Hellraiser movies, but I gave up after Hellraiser Inferno, which was the fifth movie. And there's quite a few more after that, which I don't even know if I want to dive into. Maybe I will. If somebody, if any listeners out there or followers want it bad enough, maybe I will. But I don't know, man. I don't think I have the the strength to get through the whole Hellraiser series. I didn't do Leprechaun because it's just silly as hell. And I didn't do uh, Candyman because there's only three of them. And of course, the third one is the worst one. It went straight to DVD. I, I guess I did it. Like I said, these are the big four, the big dogs. And none of these have went straight to DVD yet. And thank God, man. I, ooh, you know what? I'm lying because Leatherface went straight to video on demand. And that was uh, not to be confused with Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. This is just simply titled Leatherface, the movie that came after this, which went straight to video on demand and was actually better than this. And that movie is not necessarily great, but it's good enough to where I'm not, you know, I don't want to pick up my TV and snap it over my knee. That's what this movie made me want to do. I, I, you know, I could tolerate it a little more because I own it. And it's like if I get enough, you know, liquor and herbal refreshments in my system, it's like eh, it's nothing else on TV. I'll watch Texas Chainsaw 3D and probably fall asleep or laugh at it. But the one after this went straight to video on demand. It was it was a better film. It was better acting. It was better um, execution, even though the whole reveal of Leatherface is bullshit. But it's not as bad as a portrayal as this one and it's it's really bad but like i said man we could we can debate anybody disagree that's fine people are going to disagree but these movies here have a special place on the bottom of my shoe they really do and you know i really can't say anything because i own them all except halloween resurrection i actually broke it in half by accident it was by accident anybody out there that doesn't believe me there's 100 truth i didn't break it on purpose there's one thing about me if movies are bad if i buy them or if i buy them without having seen them and they're bad and i still own them i don't break them because i'm upset halloween resurrection i'm, I'm actually upset that i don't have it because it's part of my collection and I, I you know i broke it by mistake whatever going off the deep end here but another one in the can people that was just my opinion on it i don't know maybe i'll do best of uh the big dogs and maybe make it like a top 10 or top five and do maybe the underrated ones that don't get as much love as the mainstream ones like the pinheads and the candy mans leprechaun i don't know if i can put them in there uh maybe child's play is a little silly but maybe i can put that in the next um ranking of good or bad sequels i'll figure it out but anybody out there tuning in i appreciate y'all appreciate the love and support man it'll be another episode coming soon i'll figure out which one but it's another episode of tutor reviews in the can people and i'll get at y'all next time around